Live on Joy 99.7 FM, this is the Midday News. We are also live on Love 99.5 FM in Kumasi, affiliates across Ghana's 16 regions. We are on Fafa Radio in Joje, Jatai FM in Karaga, A1 Radio in Bogatanga. We are live on X Spaces. We are on Facebook. We are on myjoyonline.com. The Midday News is sponsored by Petrosol, your clean fall in full quantity. Petrosol is always a delightful experience. Also brought to you by Dura Plus Ghana Limited, producers of quality PVC and HDPE pipes and water tank. We are the only water storage tank with the level indicator where Dura Plus goes water flows. This afternoon, the OSP has discontinued all cases connected to the former water and sanitation minister, Cecilia Abnadapa. But that's not it. He has further referred the case to the Economic and Organized Crime Office, IOKO, on suspicion of money laundering. On the totality of the gathered evidence and intelligence, it seems to us that the case is largely in the province of suspected money laundering and structuring of the special prosecutor is referring the case to Yoko for continued investigation and further action. The office will be in close collaboration with Yoko and continued collaboration with the FBI. He has since been ordered by the High Court to return all seized cash to the former minister 72 hours following his decision to discontinue the case. In pursuance of the referral of the case to Yoko, the court ordered that the office should return the cash sums and defreeze the accounts of uh, an investment of Ms. Dapa within 72 hours. We have details as a special prosecutor insists he has not lost the fight against corruption. Also this afternoon, embattled retired police officer ACP Dr. Benjamin Agojo, who was acquitted and discharged yesterday, is fighting back, describing the Attorney General's comment on his acquittal as ignorant. Does he understand Arab Spring? If he doesn't, he should keep quiet. If he doesn't, understand Arab Spring, you should keep quiet. He's a lawyer, but being a lawyer doesn't mean that you know everything. You want to stay for details of that exclusive interview with Dr. Benjamin Nagojo. Also this afternoon, Electricity Company of Ghana says it is practically impossible to implement the 15% value-added tax in its current form on electricity consumption as opposition to the directive grows. It's a directive, but if you're given a directive and there are bottlenecks, you don't go implementing a directive that has bottlenecks. It is a technical difficulty because it's a nightmare. How do you go about this? The directive by the finance minister exempts lifeline consumers, but do they exist? How many people, even in a kiosk, have air conditioning? They, don't forget, there are even kiosk estates in Ghana. That we don't have lifeline customers right now, as I'm speaking to you. We hear from the Trade Union Congress, which is insisting labor is against the directive and must be withdrawn. We are not prepared to accept anything apart from total withdrawal of the bar because you will not pay, and we cannot pay. We have sports. Call for resignation grows as the Ghana FA faces heat for being in charge of three Black Stars group stage eliminations at major tournaments. And we focus on our series of sick hospitals and health workers at the Fianquanta Regional Hospital in the Western Region are worried as they cry for a working defibrillator, insisting it is becoming difficult to save patients while in cardiac arrest. The normal, but because we didn't have, we continued with our CPR, CPR, and when we were all exhausted, we had to call it. We have that and more in this afternoon's edition of the Midday News. I am MFA Apau. Please do stay on for details.
This is your home of independent, fearless and credible journalism. This afternoon, the Office of the Special Prosecutor has discontinued all cases involving the former Water and Sanitation Minister Cecilia Abnadapa in the latest twist to the case. That's not all. He has further referred the case to the Economic and Organized Crime Office, IOKO, on suspicion of money laundering after an extensive trans-border investigation. Special Prosecutor Kisie Jabing has also written to the court to stop the confirmation of seizure and money taken from the former minister. The office has also stopped the prosecution of Madame Dapa on charges of failing to declare her assets and property. Addressing the media a while ago, Kisie Jabing said his office has referred suspicion of money laundering to Yoko for further action. Ms. Dapa and Mr. Sekufo could not readily provide a reasonable explanation as to the sources of the cash sums. Authorized officers of the office seized the discovered cash sums on reasonable grounds that they were suspected tainted property. In accordance with Section 32.1 of the Office of the Special Prosecutor Act 2017, Act 959, as it was necessary to exercise the power of seizure to prevent concealment of the cash sums. The Special Prosecutor, considering it necessary to facilitate the investigations, issued a freezing order against the bank accounts and investments of Ms. Dapa, domiciled at Prudential Bank Limited and Societe General Ghana. Extensive investigation was conducted in country involving 20 persons and three state institutions, and especially in the Ashanti region, to establish the financial standing of Ms. Dapa's deceased brother during his lifetime and at the time of his death, since it was alleged that a substantial portion of the cash sums belonged to Ms. Dapa's deceased brother. From October 2023, investigation became cross-border and transboundary upon the claim by the persons of interest that part of the seized cash sums was transported to Ghana from the United States. For that reason, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, of the United States became involved in a collaborative investigative work on the matter. Investigation has been aimed at determining the sources of the large cash sums associated with Ms. Dapa and Mr. Osei Kufo. The office has had the benefit of seven months of in-country and four months of collaborative transboundary investigation on the totality of the gathered evidence and intelligence. It seems to us that the case is largely in the province of suspected money laundering and structuring. By operation of law, the Economic and Organized Crime Office, IOKU, has a specific and direct mandate in respect of suspected cases of money laundering and its attendant activity of structuring. Of the special prosecutor is referring the case to IOKU for continued investigation and further action. The office will be in close collaboration with Yoko and continued collaboration with the FBI. He also announced the discontinuation of the case and the High Court order for the return of all seized cash to the former minister. A little over an hour ago, the office discontinued its application that was pending before the High Court for a confirmation of the seizure and freezing orders in pursuance of the referral of the case to Yoko. The court ordered that the office should return the cash sums and defreeze the accounts of uh, an investment of Ms. Dapa within 72 hours. The office also discontinued the procedural criminal charge against Ms. Dapa for failure to return forms on declaration of property and income since that was mounted on the original application for confirmation of the seizure 
and freezing orders, which was not earlier in time. Well, my colleague Elton Brobe joins us on the line. He was at that press conference and joins us with more details on this. Elton, you in particular inquired about why this action was not taken earlier, considering how promising an Yoko investigation rather looks. What was the response? So, according to Peter Japan, they were only interested in investigating the matter because this clearly fell within their bandits. And for that reason, that's how come their investigation unraveled the aspect of the money laundering. So, they are discontinuing the case because they've come to the conclusion that there isn't much to pursue beyond the issue of money laundering. And money laundering is not within the purview of the OSP. That is why they have allowed Yoko to come in and they will collaborate with Yoko to ensure that they get to the bottom of this. Elton, on the contrary, it is an extensive investigation of the Office of the Special Prosecutor with the collaborative work of the FBI that has led us to this conclusion. If the Office of the Special Prosecutor had a direct mandate by law in respect of suspected money laundering and structuring, there will be no such referral. But we operate within the confines of the law. And since the law that created the OSP did not necessarily grant such a direct mandate in respect of uh, suspected money laundering, but the law that created the Economic and Organized Crime Office states specifically that they have a mandate in respect of uh, suspected money laundering. Now, after seven months of investigation, we have a body of uh, evidence. So if we have come to the conclusion that it suggests, it seems to us that it is more in relation to suspected money laundering, then the proper thing to do is to refer it to the uh, state institution, which by law has a direct mandate as stated in the act. Well, Alton, the issue about the growing lack of faith in the office of the special prosecutor came up. He remains hopeful? Yes, of course. He remains hopeful that this office remains the sole in terms of the fight against corruption. My, my question was, if we need to take a look at the media report that was related to you uh, twice in a year, there's been a lot of repetition in terms of the case that the OSP is pursuing. And several years after the setup of everything, they are yet to secure conviction on the medication that is taken to court. His response was that they are investigating part of them, and they are also into the issue of recovery. And that if the nation should lose faith in the office of special prosecutor, the fight against corruption will be lost. And that's my colleague Elton Broby and a million apologies for the sound quality there. But uh, head of our legal affairs desk, um, Richard Kujunyako, has been to court checking on that discontinuation of the case. What happened today? Well, so MFR, this is the chronology of events that happened in court today. The OSP requested to see the judge in chambers, but the judge insisted that the case had to be done in the open courts. The OSP then asked the judge if they could approach the bench. The judge obliged and they went to the chambers and what regard that is that the OSP withdrew the originating motion to seize and freeze the assets of the former minister. The second one the OSP did was that uh, pursuant to that he dropped the charge sheet for failing to declare her asset. And so the court thus ordered that OSP returns the seized cash sums and unfreeze the bank account of the former minister within 72 hours. Well, and that's um, Richard Kujunyako giving us details of what transpired in court. Many thanks, Richard. And this is a matter that will explore further subsequently. There's more also on this 
this on myjoyonline.com. Now, let's focus on that particular case that made the airwaves yesterday. An embattled assistant commissioner of police, Dr. Benjamin Agojo, retired as described as ignorant the attorney general's reaction to his acquittal. We know that six individuals implicated in the alleged coup plot were convicted for conspiracy to commit high treason and committing high treason, and they were sentenced to death by hanging. However, the retired police officer and two others were acquitted and discharged. Reacting to the judgment, we heard the Attorney General decrying the senior police officer's comments which suggested the nation was at risk of Arab Spring. But speaking to Raymond Akwa in an exclusive interview yet to be aired on Upfront later tonight, the retired ACP faulted the IGP's understanding of the expression he used. The only thing that, 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 that sends some, 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 some jitters in their spine and whatever is the fact that I mentioned Arab Spring. And yesterday, one minister was still talking about that. Despite my acquittal and discharge, he thought that I shouldn't. Do they really? And I think that they I are. Mean, ex- you, the Attorney General himself, and I heard him speak, he yes. said, What business has a senior police officer? A seventh officer yes. staying on a platform and talking about Arab Spring. Does he understand Arab Spring? If he doesn't, he should keep quiet. If he doesn't understand Arab Spring, he should keep quiet. But he's a lawyer. He's, he's, he's a actually. lawyer, but being a lawyer doesn't mean that you know everything. You can be a lawyer and be an ignorant, you be an ignoramus in an area. I teach conflict. Do you understand me? I told you I teach conflict at even MPhil level. I teach it at Kofiana, I teach it at all levels. Arab Spring or civil uprising and other things are democratic means of expressing dissent in every society. Today we, we, we espouse people like uh, uh, Martin Luther King and other things. Why are we espousing them? But we knew in 2011 yes. that this is led to the removal of governments. Tunisian example is clear. The other countries within the Arab regions. The, 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 the explicit definition yes. and appreciation you are same. talking about explicit definition yeah. that is common knowledge yes but when you look at arab spring it is like any other spontaneous demonstration by citizens to express their their dissatisfaction which in the reality and the examples if it leads have. to the fact that a government decides that do you know that we can the kumi preku could have led to uh, rolling saying that okay i've resigned could it have been called arab spring that could be Preku in Ghana. I'm not sure. Could have been, could have, could have, could have led to Rollins saying, okay, I've resigned. Once the VAT has been defeated and other things have resigned. Eh. When you go to the literature, go and Google it anywhere. Be careful you don't go to Wikipedia. Yeah, I get that, of course. Because when you go to Wikipedia, Wikipedia will give you some definition of a rebellion, a mutiny, and other things. And I proved today prosecution in court that when they need a definition to issues they should not go to wikipedia because they came out with a wikipedia definition which i i i drew the attention to and they could not talk about it again so go to the attorney general i'm I'm saying the prosecution team okay all right whoever was representing them and it's on record i can produce it's a court record and i can give you but that should be very strange i mean yes so at the end of the day you come to appreciate the fact that when you go to wikipedia definition it will tell you it's a mutiny it is also and so, but go to other definitions which are acceptable in academia. Because when you quote today, you quote Wikipedia definitions in, in, in academia, in the universities, they will not take you seriously. I get it, I know that. So, 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 every so, first year student of an university would know that. that that's basically So I'm time. saying that when you want to know the real definition of Arab Spring, don't go to Wikipedia. 
go to other sources and you have to tell you the real meaning of it. And you say that's what they confronted you with, a Wikipedia definition of yeah, it. A Wikipedia definition, and they are, under, they are myopic understanding of that term. And that is what they confront. And that's what they have held on to till today. And that's what Attorney General is still holding on to. He should go and learn. He should go and learn. Because he's not dealing with just people. He's dealing with people who have also climbed the ladder somewhere. That's a um, retired assistant commissioner of police, Dr. Benjamin Agojo there. You want more from that interview? You want to stay uh, with us here on Joy and also on the Joy News channel? It's at 6 p.m. on Upfront with Raymond Aqua. It will be on all our social media platforms as well. You want to catch that exclusive interview uh, with Raymond Aqua and Dr. Benjamin Agojo. On to some other stories now here on the Midday News. In the wake of disagreements about the government's decision to impose a new value-added tax, VAT, on electricity consumers beyond the lifeline threshold. The Electricity Company of Ghana, the implementing agency, has raised concerns about the law imposing the tax. Although ECG and the Northern Distribution Company, Netco, had been directed to implement the tax from January 2024, ECG has said it is yet to implement it. While speaking on Joy News PM Express, the managing director of ECG, Samuel Dubik Mahama, stated that the ECG cannot merely respond to the letter from the government, especially when they are bottlenecks with the provision in the law that was passed as far back as 2013. This has been a very thorny issue since 2013 and this implementation has also actually been a headache. There are processes that need to be what? To be outlined. First of all, one of the biggest challenges that will come up is this. Are we charging the VAT on uh, residential customers? If yes, are they on prepaid meters? Yes. So are you charging on prepaid meters? Are you charging per the money or the consumption. Because with prepaid, consumption is at the end of the day. Your consumption will be known at the end of the day because you are prepaying for something. So I, I will only know your consumption after you have consumed. Mm -hmm. So if I charge you the VAT when you're about to pay, that will not be fair. Well, the ECG managing director is also questioning the framers of the law, insisting they have more to answer for the imposition of the VAT on electricity. This has been a very thorny issue since 2013, and this implementation has also actually been a, a headache. There are processes that need to be, what, to be outlined. First of all, one of the biggest challenges that will come up is this. Are we charging the VAT on uh, residential customers? If yes, are they on prepaid meters? Yes. So are you charging on prepaid meters? Are you charging per the money or the consumption? Because with prepaid, consumption is at the end of the day. Your consumption will be known at the end of the day because you are prepaying for something. So I, I will only know your consumption after you have consumed. Mm -hmm. So if let's go back for the interpretation. Why did you pass this law? That's parliament. Yeah, why did you... Oh, you said that parliament passed it. Parliament passed it. So we need to understand, we need to get their understanding of this before, before we can go forward. Based on what you now know, because you've done some work, and I just see this conversation started last year. Yeah. You actually commissioned your lawyers to look into this. I'm curious, what did your lawyer say? If I'm charging VAT on a business, yes, you're using the power to add value. If you're doing, let's say, a business, in, you're, you live in your home, and you're running a business in your home, you should pay VAT, because you're using it to add value. Mm. But the lawyers are also saying, if you're living home with your family and all of that, then... Whoever wrote that law needs to be, we need to go back to that person to find out what was the mind behind you saying 
for somebody sitting in their home enjoying electricity, they should pay value added tax. That's it. So the lawyers were saying, look, you need to go back for further interpretation on this because to even implement this, it will be very, very difficult. That's Managing Director of the Electricity Company of Ghana, Samuel Dubik Mahamada, taking us on a quick break here on the Midday News, live on Joy, 99.7 FM in Accra, in Kumasi on Love, 99.5 FM. And this afternoon, the OSP is discontinued. All cases connected to the former Water and Sanitation Minister, Cecilia Bnadapa, but that's not all. He's further referred the case to the Economic and Organized Crime Office, Yoko, on suspicion of money laundering. We return from the break with sports and focus on our series titled Sick Hospitals and the Focus is on the Fianquanta Regional Hospital and workers there are worried as they cry for a working defibrillator, insisting it is becoming difficult to save patients uh, who are in cardiac arrest. The normal, but because we didn't have, we continued with our CPI, CPI, and when we were all exhausted, we had to call it. It's time for sports, Mubarak. What do we have? Ghana's elimination from the ongoing AFCON makes it the third consecutive first-round exit for Ghana with three different coaches. Now, sports administrator and former Santi Kotoko board chairman Herbert Mensah is calling for the FA's leadership to take responsibility for the team's lackluster performances. The administrators of the game, it's no good telling us that in four months' time there's another tournament, in six months' time there's another tournament. The fact of the matter is over the last cycle, we have been mediocre. And we will continue to be. I think the people who are involved in the game must understand the rudiments and therefore understand what is Ghana. What does it represent? There's no good looking into the past. But it's fundamentally how we look at sport. And until we can start looking at sport in a different way, and I think sometimes that the custodians of sports, we've got to really look at it and say, if it was your team, would you be happy making this investment for this result? At what point are signals picked up that the direction in which we're going is wrong? That's sports administrator, Herbert Mensah. Back to you, MFA. Thank you very much, Mumarak. Let me take you to the Western region now. It's time for our series, um, Sick Hospitals and Finding Your Working Defibrillator, a tool that is used to jolt patients back to life in the Fianquanta Regional Hospital, is akin to the ninth wonder of the world. The sole defibrillator in the hospital is currently faulty and was donated by foreign students. Health workers are destroyed and are crying for a working one, insisting it is becoming difficult to save patients who are in cardiac arrest. Due to has more. A defibrillator is a life-saving equipment. When the heart is not beating normally, the defibrillator is used to deliver controlled electric shock to the heart. This shock can help restore the heart's normal rhythm in cases of sudden cardiac arrest. In countries like South Korea and the UK, defibrillators can be found in public places like pubs, markets, in crowded places. What about Ghana? The Ghana Harmonized Health Facility Assessment Report 2023 says only 5% of hospitals in Ghana have the required basic equipment in consulting rooms. We make our way to Ghana's oil city, Takrade. The Fianquanta Regional Hospital receives referrals from across the region. It is fair to say that it serves over 3 million population. Can the hospital save your life if you go into cardiac arrest? Dr. Joseph Kodiotambil, the medical superintendent of the hospital, is passionate. He wants his medical staff to get the best equipment to serve patients. With some hesitation, he admits that 
even the only available defibrillator has challenges. And, and the defibrillator doesn't work properly, like it functions um, with well. a few challenges, but with batteries and, and all that. But um, when, when called upon, it, 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 it would function. But like I said, we don't. We need more of those uh, machines uh, rather than just one. The only defibrillator, which is now 40, was even donated by foreign students who saw the need for the equipment in the emergency room. To make you understand the issue better, Regina Kweku, the unit head of the Accident and Emergency Center, shares a recent story. We had this patient that was brought in with electric heart shock. With that one, you know, because of the external electrical current, it sends the rhythm to a different the patient, to a different rhythm. So if we had this, we could have reversed, we could have shocked the patient to set the rhythm to the normal. But because we didn't have, we continued with our CPR, CPR, and when we were all exhausted, we had to call it. For those who do not understand what the term call it, it simply means they had pronounced the patient dead. How often do they call it? So that's happened very often very often that's jojo Cobinas a report that's our sick hospital series time to get into the election headquarters and it's proudly brought to you by Petrosol. Your clean fall in full quantity still on the parliamentary primaries. And as the MPP gears up for the primaries this weekend, all eyes are focused on Dom Kwabenya, Ghana's constituency with the highest voter population. Samuel Imbura from our political desk has been on the ground. Here's his report. It is currently held by Sarah Ajwasafo and is seeking re-election as a parliamentary candidate for the MPP in the upcoming 2024 general election. Residents in the constituency have been expressing their opinions about her candidacy. Oh, I like Abdul Sapo because the way you are looking at our area, I like it. For us to give another chance to her, I don't think it's possible. No, no, no. I just have one We didn't like her again because Abdul Sapo causes trouble for her. Sarah, Abdul Sapo's fierce contender, who lost to her in the last election by eight votes, Michael Okwe Jr., is capitalizing on her flaws and remains optimistic of a win. I believe that the delegates will do what is best for the party. The third force in the contest is Sheila Oponsechi, a lawyer and development consultant from the office of the First Lady. She believes the MPP needs a new face and energy for victory in the 2024 general election. I, I bring to the table great ex experience as a, as a member of the NPP, great experience from my professional life, and also I have showcased my community that I'm ready to work. On her part, Sarah Adjuasafo admits she has wronged her constituents and pleads for forgiveness. It takes a woman of courage, it takes a courageous politician to accept that I've done something wrong. Forgive me. And that is what has touched the hearts of the people of Dome Kwabenya. And, I know and that's our focus on the Dom Kwabenya constituency. And we have live coverage for you on Saturday. And just before we go, the Ghana Boundary Commission is calling for the support of traditional leaders, communities, political leaders, clergy, and other stakeholders as it begins sensitization ahead of its reaffirmation exercise.